Good Monday morning, and welcome to another episode of the podcast, Insanity, A Peace of Mind. I am your host, Stephanie. This is episode 85, and it is... It has been one hell of a week. I'm going to say that again. It has been one hell of a week. And my kids told me that it was perfectly okay for me to get on here and give you my favorite chicken enchilada recipe, post it in the Instagram, and tell you that I didn't have the capacity to do a podcast for this week. And I believe them. And I believe that's true. And maybe I'll save that for another time, although I can't imagine any time in the near future being worse than today. But nevertheless, I am going to talk about a few more things as it relates to the idea of learning how to be wrong and learning how to admit that we're wrong and learning how to own it in a way that doesn't make it mean anything. And I am going to rely heavily on Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, because I'm just going to drop some of these out into the ether for you to think about and apply them in your life, journal about them, talk with your partners or your children or your parents or anybody who can help you flesh these ideas out to see where these kinds of emotions fill in or seep in when you have to acknowledge you're wrong somehow. Now, I'm also going to, I also have this idea floating around in my head that what we make things mean is really where we get all bound up in our emotions and our insecurities and the difficulties of managing our emotions. The fact that we make things mean something is why we can't be wrong or why we feel scared or why we're afraid or why we get jealous or guilty. So it's our meaning making that creates the problem. So if we make being wrong in the context of raising our children, let's assume that we have grown children and we've learned a whole lot of new things and we realize how much we did wrong. If we make that mean that we ruined our children, then we're going to have a hard time acknowledging and maybe even repairing what we did wrong. If we know that in our relationship, we spent the first 15 years being codependent and managing their emotions, and we're trying to change that now, and we're getting resistance, then it's hard to push through that resistance, continue to hold on to the idea that you have been doing it wrong 
and do it right because you're afraid that the marriage can't withstand the change. So there's a lot tied up into the idea of figuring out where we've been wrong and what we make it mean to us. Brene Brown in Atlas of the Heart has these really beautiful chapters, and I'm not going to go into the book. I, I recommend it to you. It's wonderful. But she has these chapters broken up, and she uses words to identify how we react emotionally to certain circumstances. And I want to talk about some of these. And I'm not going to go in any order, and I don't know how long I'm going to go. But let's go with number eight. In number eight, she talks about places we go when we fall short. The reason I chose this chapter is because falling short is a feeling that we have done something wrong or that we have not been complete in something or we have somehow not been able to do something the way that we wanted to. And so she uses shame, embarrassment, guilt, humiliation self-compassion and perfectionism to talk about where we go when we fall short. I want to focus on humiliation and embarrassment because it's very easy to be embarrassed when we feel like we've done something wrong. It's easy to fall into humiliation when we've had an exchange with a coworker or a partner or a family member, and we have been called out or taken to task or reprimanded because we have done something that did not serve the best interest of the context, whether that's the relationship or the job or whatever. So she talks about um, she talks about these things. And I'm just going to kind of briefly talk about how she identifies these. And I want you to think of them in terms of how they come up in your relationship. So humiliation and embarrassment, kind of the same, maybe the same, but she does a good job of identifying them. She talks about humiliation is the painful feeling you feel when you have been degraded, made fun of, ridiculed, or put down, and you don't think there's justification for it. It is demeaning and it makes us feel devalued. So with that in mind, how many times in your relationships, have you felt humiliated? Has your, Have your parents humiliated you for something that you did or something that you chose to do that they didn't agree with? Or as a partner or a spouse, how many times have you humiliated or made your partner feel this kind of humiliation because you disagreed with them or you thought that they did something wrong or they misinterpreted your intent. These are very strong and very powerful feelings that we feel very intensely in our most personal and intimate relationships. It is 
similar to shame in that it makes you feel like you are flawed to your core. And the the really important part of this is that you feel this as a result of someone pointing out to you your flaws. And you don't feel like you deserved it. So maybe they made assumptions about something that you said or something that you did without clarifying or really trying to understand what was going on. Or maybe it is in the context of a parent-child relationship and the child did what they thought was best under the circumstances and with what limited knowledge they had. And as a parent or a caregiver, you jumped to conclusions or you you pointed out how wrong they were or how stupid it was that they had done something like that. And in many instances, especially as parents, we do it because we think it is our obligation to correct them and make them do things the right way. And these are the ideas I'd kind of like to start to tease apart. So humiliation is the first one. And that's all I'm going to say about that one. I just want you to sit with that, see what that feels like, how you have used it in your relationships, how it has been used by you. Okay, the other one is embarrassment, embarrassment, and this is more fleeting, doesn't last as long. It's uncomfortable. We feel really self-conscious. It's usually as a result of a minor incident. And oftentimes it happens because oftentimes we get embarrassed because whatever is going on was seen by something else, seen by other people. So it's not quite doesn't quite rise to the same level of intensity as humiliation. And it is still painful. It exposes a vulnerability. And we oftentimes will respond to it by joking or making light of it or being self-deprecating. And again, especially in the parent-child relationship, I want you to think about times that you have felt embarrassed by your parents or where you as a parent may have unintentionally embarrassed your child. And no judgment. I just want you to think about it because these are the things that might rise to the level of needing repair, recognizing that you have done wrong in your relationships and acknowledging that it might be worth going back and trying to repair some of these things. So that's humiliation and embarrassment. And in it's in the section number eight on places we go when we fall short. Renee Brown's number 12 is places we go when we feel wronged. And she lists anger, contempt, disgust, dehumanization, hate, self-righteousness. And I want to talk about a couple of these. And I think we should start with anger because how often do we get angry? 
angry at our kids, angry at our spouse, angry at our parents, angry at friends, angry at coworkers because we feel like we have been wronged or someone doesn't understand us or they are imposing expectations on us that we can't manage. Wronged. However you define being wronged, anger comes up. Anger is an emotion that we feel when we don't get our way or when we think something should have been a way that it is not. So it's very attached to an outcome. If we attach to an outcome, we have the potential to feel all kinds of different emotions, anger being one of them. Anger is she calls it an action emotion. And it, she explains that by saying that we want to do something when we feel it and when we're on the receiving end of it. Anger activates our nervous system. And so when we are angry, we are less likely to behave or think in rational ways. And so it's not really a good thing to hang on to. So most emotion experts believe that anger is a primary emotion, not a secondary emotion. And I'm not altogether sure what that means, but the fact of the matter is, is Oftentimes, anger is because we, when I want you to think about your anger, I want you to think about your anger when you are expecting a certain outcome and you don't get it. Are you angry or are you sad? Are you angry or are you exasperated? Are you angry or do you feel slighted or embarrassed. So whether anger is a primary or secondary emotion is not up for debate right now because I don't really care. I was just offering up this information from Brene Brown's book. But when you're angry, when you're angry at someone or when someone is exhibiting anger towards you, take some time in these mindful moments that I know you're having and figure out whether you're angry or whether you are something else. Because oftentimes we use anger to mask that something else. And it's just easier to be angry than to admit that your feelings are hurt or that you feel unloved or that you don't feel like you're being respected or that you feel like you have to ex that you have to exert power over something or some situation in order to feel good about yourself and when you can't you get angry so again i'm just going to leave it at that and i want you to think about how anger shows up for you in your relationships um oh wait before i move on i'm just going to give you a few more ocean few more emotions that might be behind the anger. It could be grief. It could be jealousy. Maybe it's helplessness. Sometimes it's genuine depression or anxiety. So think about 
that and how anger masks some of your other emotions. The last word I'm going to drop here is self-righteous or self-righteousness. And the uh, definition, according to research, is that self-righteousness is the conviction that one's beliefs and behaviors are the most correct. A person who operates from a place of self-righteousness is generally a pretty inflexible person. They are very black and white. They believe that they are correct in their thoughts and feelings, and they want you to think they are correct also. And a lot of parenting is is parented. A lot of parenting, I don't know what words I'm looking for. A lot of parenting comes a play, comes from a place of self-righteousness. We believe that we know best, and we believe that there is very little room for our little ones to experience themselves in an authentic and, I don't know, I'm not sure I like that word in this particular context, but it's easy to be self-righteous as a parent. And so again, all I want you to do with these words is see how they feel, roll them around in your experience take them and define them and see how they come out for you in your relationships. These are the feelings and emotions that we experience when we feel wronged or when we have been wrong and can't admit that we're wrong. And I'm just going to end this podcast with these ideas. When we are self-righteous, we feel morally superior to others, and then we're trying to convince them and ourselves that we are doing the right thing. And that's not always the case. And when you're getting all kinds of pushback, or you're not getting the outcome that you want, you might want to step back and see what the potential is for you to be acting self-righteous instead of just righteous. I don't know if I said I was going to finish or not, but I do have one more section that I want to do that I think is pretty important uh, to this whole topic. And it is her section 13, and it's called Places We Go to Self-Assess. And she lists pride, hubris, and humility. And these are also incredibly important words and feelings and emotions to talk about as it relates to how we can admit or acknowledge or see in ourselves where we have been wrong and then reach out for repair. So pride is... A couple of different things, but well, let's define it first and foremost as the feeling, the good feelings you get, or the the ways you want to celebrate something that you have accomplished, or that you have put effort into, and you feel good about. That's one way to define pride. Uh, hubris is the inflated sense of your own abilities, 
And generally it's not real. It's just born out of a need to feel good about yourself and to dominate rather than whether you've actually accomplished something. And then there's humility, which is being open to learning new things. It is understanding yourself accurately, recognizing your real strengths and weaknesses, and believing that there is room for growth in probably all areas of life. And so how do those things show up for you in your relationships? And how can you see them working for your good or not working for your good? This is all about self-awareness. This is all about understanding how you relate to and with people in the world how your children see you, how your coworkers or your friends see you. I would suggest, as I have mentioned before, that if you want to figure out how to be a better person in relationships, that you ask for feedback from the people who know you the best and who care about you and are willing to say, these are your strengths and these are your weaknesses. And then if you want to grow in connection and intimacy with these people, make apologies where necessary, repair where necessary, and then when you learn better, do better. This is important stuff. There is a lot that we get ourselves wrapped up in that is really not that important, that's really not that significant in our lives, but how we are in relationships, I honestly believe to be the one of the most important things that we need to talk about. On one of her pages, Brene Brown has a quote, and I'm going to um, I'm going to attribute it to her because it doesn't have anything else, but it says, I'm here to get it right not to be right. Think on that. Leave your comments in the Instagram because I would love to have a conversation about this and have a great week.